Good morning. Try that again. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Better, better, better. Good morning, Brody. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> so great to see all y'all's wonderful faces this morning. Um, we're going to get our service kicked off, so if everyone would like to rise, we're going to start this service off with uh, This is Amazing Grace. the power of sin and darkness whose love is mighty and so much stronger the king of glory the king above all kings who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan? A son and daughter, the King of glory, the King of glory, who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun and all of His brilliance, the King of glory, the King of all kings. This is amazing grace. This is a failing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid down your life That I would be set free Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you done for me. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. This is 
everybody this morning as we get started today we do have uh, some prayer requests if you didn't know we have about uh, eight to ten I don't I can't remember exactly how many folks have are coming back from Kansas they went up for a security training seminar for church security uh, folks within our church that went to get better and more trained that's what I think is is needed oftentimes so they're up there in a training event with Stratagos and on their way back from Kansas this morning we also have quite a few that texted or called me this morning that have sick children. Something must be running through the school system right now. So we need to make sure to lift them up in prayer as well. But that being said, isn't it great to be in God's house this morning? Amen. Amen. So let's go to Lord in prayer. Father God, we do come before you and thank you for this opportunity we have to gather in your place. God, I thank you for those who choose to give of their time and their efforts to volunteer to help protect us and be those sheepdogs you called them to be that went to the training this past week and are traveling back now in the church van. I just pray that the van runs well and that you get them home safely, Lord God. And Father, I do also pray for those who are ill, whether it be the children that, of the families that called me this morning, such as uh, John and, and Sarah, both their kids are, are ill, Lord God, and others. I just pray that you just let them have a peace of knowing that though they're not here with us physically, you're there with them, that you are God both here and there, are in that healing business still, Lord. So heal those children, heal those families, and God, we just give you praise. And as we are gathered here, open our hearts, Lord, whether it be through a song that the, the guys up here are singing, the word, the scripture reading, whatever it is, may each one of us be able to walk out of here today acknowledging that in one facet or another, we have been touched by your grace, your mercy, your power, chastening us when we need it, chasing us when we need it. And Father, may we just give you praise. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. Amen. Guys, like I said, good seeing everybody. Walk around a second, shake somebody's hand, give them a hug, and just tell them it's good to see them in God's house this morning. So aimless, life filled with sin I wouldn't let my dear Savior in When Jesus came like a stranger in the night Praise the Lord, I saw the light I saw the light, I saw the light No more darkness, no more at night Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside Praise the Lord, I saw the light, just like 
like a blind man I wandered alone Worries and fear I claim for my own And like a blind man God gave back his sight Praise the Lord I saw the light I saw the light I saw the light No more darkness No more night Now I'm so happy Sorrow inside Praise the Lord I saw the light I was a fool to wander and stray Straight is the gate and narrow's the way Now I have traded rock for the right Praise the Lord, I saw the light I saw the light, I saw the light No more darkness, no more night Now I'm so happy and sorrow inside Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light, I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. So happy the sorrow inside. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Hallelujah. If you've seen the light this morning, say amen. 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 As we get back to our seats this morning. Boy, you, uh, with these families that are either ill or out of town, it looks light out there today. We all went on a diet. There we go. <laughs> I got just a few announcements, but these are important announcements that I need to make to you this morning. One of which, again, remember there's a sign-up sheet on the back table for the construction crew. If you would like to help make cookies or goodies to take to the construction crew, just to acknowledge and let them know that we appreciate the the hard work they are going through and, and committing themselves to, to get us within and into our facility. So uh, if you would like to be a part of making cookies or something like that, please feel free to sign this sign-up sheet that's in the front foyer. Uh, David, they said they brought that for you, by the way. I'm sorry? I think, she, well, the dates are on here. You can sign up for the dates. You can circle the dates that you would like to. No, no, no. Okay, also, too, uh, let me explain a couple more pieces of paper that we have. On the back table, you see this, uh, something that looks such as this. Let me explain what this is. On May 19, there are going to be two services. The first service at 8 o'clock, we are going to uh, members and, and families. Okay, let me back up. Victims and their families, survivors and their immediate family, and then members are going to be able to come into the first service at 8 o'clock to peruse the area, see what the new facility looks like. And then at 9 o'clock, we are going to have a church service, a true dedication service of the church facility. That is only going to be open to those who I just said. 
to make that simple, because we are going to have the media gathering, there are going to be politicians, there are going to be people gathering wanting to come into that service, I requested and, and pretty much said that we needed to have our dedication service without all that. So to, to make that happen and to make it less uh, stress and, and, and make it easier to organize on our safety response team and also the other security personnel that will be here, we are going to have a way of, of putting bands or something like that on those people who are allowed within that service. There's only 239 seats, or going to be, I was told. I haven't even, Chairs aren't in there as of yet. Therefore, seating is limited. So because of the limited seating and then also to the uh, focused people group that's going to be going in there, we're asking everyone to fill this little form out so that we can say yes or no as to who's coming into the service that day. And that way, when people walk up, our safety response team are not going to be put on the spot and be told, well, I, I was a member there 25 years ago. I should be allowed to be come in. The only people that are going to be allowed into that first service are those who have filled this out and, and been vetted and have a band. That's for our own security. That is for keeping that first service about what it's supposed to be and as the dedication of that building into the eyes of God. Amen? So that, this is, amen. This is not something to try to say we're becoming legalistic and closing the doors on people and such as that. Because there is a public service at 11 o'clock. It's going to be totally different. They're going to be acknowledging many of those people who have donated and have given to the church. There's uh, politicians going to speak. There's going to be media. But that 11 o'clock service is open to everyone. So everyone's welcome. But that first service... The church body, local body, and the survivors of those, the survivors and their families and the, the surviving folks of the victims' families that have been filled out this list, that service is for them. Okay? Yes, oh, well, yeah, absolutely. You can go to both services, obviously. Now, let me say at the 11 o'clock service, there will be chairs that are cordoned off, probably about 30 or 40 chairs for uh, people who will come that have donated greatly to the church and or politicians that will be there. They're going to have a little section reserved for them. But you are more than welcome to come in. And those with bands, I would say, get seated prior to the rest of those who do not have bands also. But I'm not going to lay that, I'm not going to lay that on our safety response team to make that happen. So if you want to be in the first service, make sure that you've seen myself or you get turned in this paperwork so that I can make sure that it has been vetted and that you get a band so that you can be allowed in. Because at that day, if, if the safety response person says, I'm sorry, you don't have a band, he's doing exactly or she is doing exactly what they were asked to do, and that's just going to be the end of it. Okay? It's not that we're shutting the door on anyone. We're making sure that those who have been uh, allotted to go in there are the ones who are in there. All righty. Did you have your... Yes, ma'am? That's right. No breakfast that morning, no Sunday school that morning. We are just gathering to see the building. I got a few more announcements. I don't care if you want to pray. Father in heaven, uh, a very sweet sister is fixing to go. 
Those of us that have been here a long time know her and remember her. And how much she had such an interest in other people's health and things like that through the years. Father, we, uh, we ask you to welcome her, that we know she's a, a member of your people. She's not just a member of this church, she's a member of the church body of Christ. So Lord, we pray for her family members that we hope are around her, the staff, the nurses in the home. And Lord, uh, we do lift her up to you. We pray for this in the almighty, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And praise God that we have those promotional services. She won't have to be restrained into that bed any longer after that promotion. Amen. But keep her family in prayer. They're the ones that are going to be hurting. Amen. Okay, next thing. Okay, there's that one. There's that one. Another thing. Another issue that arose this week, if you looked in your bulletins, you saw the little handout talking about the church, the, the youth fundraiser with selling the t-shirts. The concern was made, made to me that we were trying to uh, profit within the church, and not only profit within the church, but profit within the church off the tragedy that happened within the church. Guys, we were selling t-shirts as church fundraisers long before that that tragedy happened over there. Amen. There, this is not trying to profit in any way because all proceeds from those shirts will go into the youth budget line item to help kids who can't afford camp get to camp. Not everyone can pay. You know, you say, well, $175. Some will say, that's a lot of money. Not when you think it's room and board for a week. And others will say, well, that's not much money. They should be able to make it. Not when you're barely making bills meet. Therefore, the church has that account to help these young people, not just camps, but other events and things they go to, or maybe they need to buy basketballs or whatever. All that is a youth fundraiser, and all churches do that to help build up the funds to help our children and our youth do what needs to be done. So, again, the church is not profiting off these T-shirts at all. Like the church, the, everything is, is being going right back into the youth fundraiser. And it sure has nothing to do with the fact that it was because of the tragedy. This is, has everything to do with, just like if we were going to do a youth fundraising car wash, we would find the best corner to put it on. If we're going to eat dinner, a, a youth spaghetti dinner. What day is most accessible for people to be able to come and get that? That day, we're going to have the most folks out here opening and dedicating a brand new facility. Let's not think about that and think about the facility and what God is doing and think about the blood that was given to give us that. But those shirts are just a youth fundraiser. Amen? Amen. Please. If you have problems with that, come and see me. Somebody said, well, we're doing it in the sanctuary. No, we're not. We're not. It's a fundraiser outside the church for the youth to gather their funds. Okay? So if you have problems with that, please get with me. Let's sit down and talk about it. And let me alleviate any fears you have that, that the church is doing something that they should not have done. Um, May 19th is the, oh, that's the, four, the paper I already touched on. Mark your calendars, staff meeting next Sunday, May 5th, after the service. There's a couple of important things I want to bring up, so please make sure if you're on the staff that you're ready to stay next Sunday for a little while, and let's have our staff meeting next Sunday morning. Uh, she put on, like, like a potluck, everybody brings something for that lunch, if we can. Um, 
And that's staff meeting, so that's just, just the church staff. I'm thinking I'm forgetting something I was supposed to announce. Pardon? Well, that wasn't on my list, but okay. Good morning. We're getting really, really close to BBF, and it's kind of getting overshadowed by the new building dedication and all kinds of where everybody's busy. That's just life now. But uh, we're going to throw together a really quick meeting next Sunday after church, right before staff meeting. It'll be in here. It'll be about 10 minutes since we're having potluck for staff meeting. Nobody will have to be over there. So if you're interested in helping with VBS, we're going to be in here next Sunday after church. And what I mainly need is your name, your legal name, your um, and your driver's license number because of security. We do have to do a check on everybody that wants to work with the children around here. So um, if you are interested in helping with VBS in any way, please stay after 10 minutes next week. Amen. All right. And that, and that background check is for anyone who works with our children and our youth. We're not singling folks out, but anyone we feel as though is working with our children or our youth needs to go through a uh, background check and make sure it's what the state does. We're not trying to find out that, that you got a pack of gum when you were 15. It has nothing to do with that. But we want to make sure our children are as safe as possible to the best of our ability with those who are teaching. Amen? All right. Before I turn it over to Stormy, Brother David wanted to come and share something real quick. two months we've talked about a men's retreat and we ended up with three of us to go to it with another church from the inner city of San Antonio that inner city church was a predominantly black church and I I wanted to say that just like that Ben and Ed and myself left Friday afternoon and got down there and fellowshiped and had a meeting and had a speaker or two and uh, it was very very heartwarming it was uh fun and it was something that I never thought I would go do I'm just not into that kind of stuff but changes are taking place pretty regularly nowadays and and with that said the pastor Warren he's been here with his family a number of times uh, he's going to do it again next year and try to make it a regular event we did get to go on a fishing trip the following morning the boat would hold 80 we had 30 so I would encourage you on next year when I start mentioning that it is really a fun and eventful event. And if you talk to Ben or Ed, I think they'll both agree with us. And it's something that I think we should be doing as a, as a group of men to bring our own young youth men to know what fishers and men are about and, and being around other men and not just their, their, their school buddies and their, their street buddies. So we as men can make a great difference. So thank you. Amen. And that was a father-son retreat, correct? Any kids. So father and their kids retreat. So I want to encourage you guys to, to be in prayer about that and be thinking about that. And Pastor Warren's a great guy. I love him and his family. I'm just glad y'all were able to go. All right. Stormy, come on up. Get you up here before Sherry breaks out and laugh over there. <laughs> Father God, I just come before you and just ask you to bless my brother as he's coming to open the word for us. May we hear you through him as he shares the scripture you've laid on his heart. And God, thank you for his willingness and his obedience to do so. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank If you'd rather be here in God's house with God's people than the nicest jail cell in South Texas, say amen. Amen. You said that with conviction, pun intended. I was told a story 
about a young waitress. She was she was had been working for quite a while at the same restaurant, and her regulars knew her. And one of her regulars said, "Lady, what's up today?" He said, "You're not your bubbly, joyful self like you normally are." And she said, "Oh, it's nothing major." She said, "Today's Tuesday." She said, the, in the section that I've got today is where the women's Bible study sets. They come in from 11.30 to 12.30, and uh, they're going to be in my section. And he said, well, American uh, Christians are a pretty nonviolent group normally. What's, what's the... She said, oh, it's, it's nothing big. He said, they all come marching in with the Ten Commandments and a $10 bill. They tried to stay for two hours and leave without breaking either one of them. We're going to be reading out of Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. It should be real familiar to you. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. You know, the Bible talks pretty hard against judging, but it actually encourages fruit inspection. There's a reason for that. You know, if you put a bad apple against a good apple, that good apple will rot where that bad apple's touching it. And so before you align yourself with somebody else, you want to inspect their fruit. But the most important fruit that we can inspect is our fruit. And we can cull the bad so that God can develop the good. Because if we show forth that kind of fruit, when you walk into a restaurant, your waitress is going to say, Man, I hope he sits in my section. Man, I hope they come over and sit where I'm working because they're just so gentle and sweet and, and kind and long-suffering and patient. And I trust that in this church, that when you go in, that's what they say. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that sows good seed into our lives. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that waters our soul, that we can bring forth fruit, Lord, good fruit, abundantly that glorifies you and your son Jesus Christ in whose name we pray. Amen. Join us in song this morning. Foes are many, they rise against me, but I will hold my ground. I will not fear the war, I will not fear the storm, my help is on the way, my help is on the way. Surrounding chaos 
lie, you won't tear down coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie, you won't tear down coming after me.
Jesus, the only one that could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Oh, we live for you, God, in holy, holy. There is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me.
asking you in Jesus' name. Amen. Give God the glory this morning. Hallelujah is right. Thank you, guys. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Acts. The book of Acts this morning. That was good. I grabbed my sticky and it came out. Oops. As you're turning to the book of Acts, we've got quite a few passages of Scripture we're going to share in the book of Acts this morning. Pardon me? Well, we ought to, huh? I think we already did, though, bro. Amen. So we're going to be starting off in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 is where we'll be beginning in just a moment. Acts chapter 11 will be our primary focus of, of the passage of Scripture that we're going to be reading together this morning. But let me start off by saying that the Duke of Wellington, if you never heard of the Duke of Wellington, he was the famous military leader who defeated Napoleon. At the end of his life, he was asked, did he have any regrets? And he said that his number one regret was that he did not give more praise out there. Hallelujah. Someone once said, you can flatter me and I may not believe you. You can criticize me and I may not like you. You can ignore me and I may not forgive you. But if you praise me, I will never forget you. Because that praise is what God uses oftentimes to build us up. There's something about praise and encouragement that although we may find it hard to believe at the time or we may find it hard to accept at the time, It never actually leaves our hearts and minds when somebody lifts us up and praises us and reminds us that we're doing what it is that we are called to do, that we are doing and and being what God has called us to be. This past week, you know, if you were here prior to the tragedy, you would know that there were several times that I had embarrassed and or called out Carla from the pulpit. And I would always point out that Carla was an encourager. Now, she would say, no, 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 leave me alone. Don't bring bring me up into this. But anyone who knew Carla knew that she was an encourager. Well, folks, rather than say that she was an encourager, I'm going to say that she is an encourager. And I'm going to share this with you. This past week, I called John and I called Sarah and let them know about this as well. My portfolio, it's a brown portfolio. It's got my notes in it. I carry lots of important things in there. I got lots of stuff in my portfolio. It goes all over the country with me. It, it goes pretty much wherever I go. I work out of my portfolio. It is, it is near and dear to me. In fact, one of the places I was speaking in Bothell, Washington this past week, I left it at home, and it's such an insecurity blanket thing. I jumped back in the car and ran back to the hotel and got it before and made it back in time. The guy in front of me went over. Imagine that, Baptist preacher going over. But anyway... Actually, he was Church of God preacher. Going on. They go over to. <laughs> anyway, my portfolio, I was in my office Wednesday. And I was in there, I was studying, and I was doing some things. I grabbed my portfolio from beside me and spun it around to put on my desk. When I did, this card fell out of it. I don't remember. Here I've been going all over the country. I use it pretty much every day. And I don't remember ever seeing this card, especially in my portfolio. I don't remember it ever being given to me. But it says, thinking of you, for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting. Dear Frank, 
May you know what a blessing you are and how much you are loved. And then she underlined, you are in my thoughts and prayers for real with big arrow. Love you in Christ, Carla. At first, it was really eerie. I was like peeking around the room because I was by myself. And I was like, this is scary, Carla, wherever you're at. But then I stepped back and I thought, wow. Even, st- even standing in the presence of her Lord and her Savior, God knew she wanted to encourage and he made it happen. And here all this time, because I don't know where this card came from. I don't remember ever seeing this card, much less putting it in my portfolio. But God's still using her because immediately I thought of all the texts that Carla would send me. I thought of all the times that, that when I was down or felt I was beating myself up, especially early in my ministry, Carla would come alongside of me. There were times I'd say, Carla, that one's just a lost cause. And she'd say, there's nobody that's a lost cause. And if I got to sit on the phone for seven hours, I will sit on the phone for seven hours to encourage that person. Anybody that knew Carla knew that was her gift. They knew that Carla wasn't going to give up on anybody. That's just who she was. This morning, what the Lord's laid on my heart through that that experience, if you will, this past week, I want to encourage you guys to be encouragers. I think as the church of Jesus Christ, we should be going out, not so much beating people over the head with the scriptures, but encouraging to see the importance of, of, of people around us, to see the greater good in themselves and in the greater kingdom of God. We as a church should be going out and encouraging people to focus on who God is rather than what the doctrine says or who the denominational name is. Doctrine's important. I understand that. But the first thing we need to do, rather than go in and just hit somebody over the head with the Bible, was that we need to go and encourage them that even though you have fallen short, even though there are things in your life I would like to change, it's not about me. It's not about my thoughts and ideology. It's about Christ and his relationship with you. Folks, we have been called to catch God's going to clean them up. It is not our responsibility to clean up people. It's our responsibility to go and put our arms around them and let them know that Jesus Christ loves them. And God will clean them up. God will lift them up. God will change those little idiosyncrasies if you encourage them to keep focusing on Christ. But if you continually try to focus them on your ideology, on your thoughts, on what you think it should be, guess what? You're going to eventually fail them, and they're going to say, that was just a person of discouragement, and they can't even do it themselves. Why should I even try? Folks, we have been called to be a people of encouragement. I want us to look at Barnabas this morning. In Barnabas, in chapter 4, starting in verse 36, Joseph, a Levite and a Cypriot by birth, whom the apostles named Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. I want to stop there for just a second, because this is the first encounter with Barnabas that we see in the book of Acts. He is mentioned 34 times in the New Testament, and all but five of those are in the book of Acts. Many of us didn't even realize that his real name was Joseph. His name was not Barnabas. His name was Joseph. But he was such a son of encouragement that that became his name that everybody knew him by. Barna means son of. Barnabas or bus means the. It's a. It was a nickname. It meant encouragement. It was a 
a prophetic Hebrew exhortation to the one who builds up another or one who, who encouraged others. So it was son of encouragement is how that translates. That name, Barnabas, is what stuck. Nobody calls him Joseph throughout the scriptures anymore. He is always the son of encouragement. We learned from this text that he was a Levite. Now, as a Levite man, he was of the priestly order. He knew the word of God. He was a son of encouragement who was seeking to encourage others about his God. Now, we also see that he's from Cyprus. And being from Cyprus means he was an important bridge between the Hebrews and the Hellenistic Jews of the diaspora. He was able to go from one to another. He knew the Gentiles well that would come into play later. Look to chapter 9. Whip over to chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 26. When he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to associate with the disciples, talking about Paul here, tried to associate with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him since they did not believe he was a disciple. Barnabas, however, took him, brought him to the apostles and explained to them how on the road Saul had seen the Lord and that he had talked to him and now in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. Saul, who we know as Paul, was converted and accepted Christ on the road to Damascus. He had truly had a life-changing transformation. And now he had come to Jerusalem and wanted to talk to the apostles. Well, they were justifiably afraid of him. This is the man that had Stephen stoned to death. This is the man that went and got letters from the Pharisees and the Sadducees to give him permission to go and and imprison the, the Christians, whether male, female, children. It didn't matter to him. He was a hostile warrior against Christianity. Therefore, the apostles were afraid. They were afraid to allow Paul into their midst and see who they were and where they were at. But Barnabas... Again, that son of encouragement steps up in verse 27. And if you notice in verse 27, Paul doesn't ever even tell his testimony. Barnabas does. In other words, Barnabas saw God working in Paul's life. And rather than calling up all the ugly Paul did, rather than trying to tell Paul, you shouldn't go to the apostles, what makes you think you're worthy? Look at all the lives you've taken. Barnabas saw God in Paul washed the rest of it away because God does the clean and not him and went to the apostles and said, he was the Saul that you know, but let me tell you what God has done in his life. So many times some God moves in someone's life and rather than encouraging them to go to church, rather than encouraging them to, to go see the pastor or go to your Christian Bible study at the restaurant that Stormy was talking about or wherever it may be, we're saying, well, you know, I'm glad he did it, but I don't want to be seen with him because he's got he's got bad things in his past. I don't want people to know I'm associating with him because he's done some ugly stuff in his past to the church. You know, and, and rather than inviting him to church, I'll be the one known as like, he brought that guy to church? Folks, Barnabas didn't care who he was. He saw God in his life and said, we're going to church. And not just the church, I'm taking you before the disciples and I'm going to tell them how God is using you in a mighty, mighty way. Now whip over to 15. In chapter 15, verse 36. After some time had passed, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers in every town where we have preached the message of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul did not think it appropriate to take along this man who had deserted him in Pamphylia and had not gone on with him in his work. So here, Paul and and Barnabas are having a disagreement over John Mark. These are two godly men having this disagreement. John Mark had let Paul down at some point. Maybe he just couldn't hold up to the faith. Maybe he had a weakness and gave in to some, some lure that Satan threw out in front of him. For whatever the reason, Paul said, no, I'm not taking him with me. 
And Paul and Barnabas disagree and separate at that point. However, later on in the scriptures, Paul calls for John Mark. And when he calls for him, he says, bring him as he is one of my closest companions in the ministry of the gospel. In other words, at one point, Paul said, I'm done with him. Barnabas said, I'm not because God's not. And because God's not, I'll have to separate with you because I'm going to go with the one that God is calling to go forth here. And because Barnabas encouraged John Mark, whatever transpires, which we do have a lot on John Mark, but the things that happened in John Mark's life after that come to a point that when Paul is in his last days, he says, send me John Mark, that one who has been an incredible companion in the call of the ministry. Barnabas took the opportunity of, of encouraging a young man who had failed You notice Barnabas doesn't say, no, but Mark didn't do that. He doesn't defend Mark's actions, but he instead took a young man who had failed and offered him another chance to go out and reach and fulfill the potential that God had for him. And he did it in such a way that Paul opened his arms and said, there is a man of God. He saw that in John Mark, there was the the grace of God, even if Paul didn't see it. Folks, you may be called to witness and or encourage somebody that the other other church people are going to say, you're wasting your time. Why are you dealing with that one? I can remember there's been a couple of young people where I just told Carla, Carla, there's just no hope. He's too far gone. And I learned from her. I know the pastor is supposed to do the teaching, but praise God, God will use every one of us. Because I watched in Carla to get and learn the patience. I can never be as patient as Carla. But I learned through her, never give up. Never put a period at the end of somebody's life. It might be a comma. They might have paused for a while. But I will never, ever put a period at someone's life because I watched Carla, God use her to bring people to the other side. I see Barnabas using John Mark, uh, God using Barnabas to bring John Mark to the other side. I see so much where I might have given up, but my God did not. And a true encourager is going to see God in that person, not the failure. That's what we've been called to be. That's what we've been called to do, guys. In Acts chapter 11, this is our primary focus passage this morning. In Acts chapter 11, starting in verse 19, those who had been scattered as a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the message to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, Cyprus and uh, and Cyrenian men, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Hellenists, proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord's hand was with them, and a large number who believed turned unto the Lord. Several things here. First of all, if you've been in any of my Sunday school classes, you probably know what the term Hellenist means. That doesn't mean somebody that goes to hell. Hellenist means the Greek people. It was the pagans. It was the, it was the, it was the um, Gentile people at the time. So they're witnessing and they're sharing this, these scriptures. Stephen had been martyred. They had watched this, this horrific thing and the, and the Christians are scattered. That persecution is getting so bad that even Stephen in front of everybody, just because of his faith, can be stoned. They call it the diaspora and the Jews just, just moved all over the country. They just, the, uh, the Christian Jews, I mean, they, they just scattered. Well, Luke tells this story and then, and he says they went out and they continued, even though they scattered, they continue to preach the gospel. And many people come to know Jesus. Many people are coming to know the Lord. Luke puts forth here and lets us know that it was a, a, a significant number of people. 
It wasn't just a few in the diaspora. People were coming to know Christ by the multitudes. All these people are coming to know Christ, and, and the hand of the Lord was upon them. It, we see here a geographical and, and, and cultural expansion of the gospel. It went from Jerusalem, just like Jesus said it would, to Judea, to Samaria, to now the utter parts. It's going to the Gentile nations, both geographically, and, and the diaspora of the Jews are going out there and taking the culturally, and Jesus is being preached. Now notice the next passage, verse 22. It says, then the, the report about them reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. Now, one of the things that really stands out to me here that's really neat is that when they sent Barnabas, they didn't send an apostle. They sent Barnabas. Here are all these very theologian men, these the men who are theologians, men who walked with Christ. Men who had intimate conversations with Christ. They sent Barnabas. Now, I understand being one from Cyprus, it, he, he, he would understand their culture a little better. However, I think it was intelligent. They understood this fledgling church amongst the diaspora that's scattered out there. They need to be encouraged. They don't need to be going out there and just being directed in the rules and regulations of this doctrine or that. They don't need the rules and regulations of this methodology or that one. They don't need to know the difference between Arminianism and Calvinism at this time. What they need is the encouragement to keep their heart and their eyes focused on Christ. You, you're going to get stuck on this doctrine. You, you're going to get stuck on that one. You, you may start beating them over the head because you don't like the way they eat. You, you don't like this. Barnabas, get out there and go encourage. Folks, Christ has called us. He said, go into the highways and the byways. We have been called to go ye therefore and make disciples and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are to go and encourage others to follow Christ. That's what, that's what Barnabas does here. He goes and he says, I am going to go out there and these new Christians, they need encouragement. Look at verse 23. When he, excuse me, when he arrived and, and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he encouraged all of them, what? To remain true in the Lord with a firm resolve of the heart. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and large numbers of people were added unto the Lord. Hallelujah. He went out there and he saw Barnabas arise. And what does he witness? He's looking at these, this diaspora. He's looking at Jews, the diaspora. He's looking at these Hellenists. He's looking at these Gentiles. And it says that the, he saw the grace of God a work amongst the people of Antioch. He is gladdened by what he sees. His, his spirit is saying, I see God here. His generous spirit was moved to joy. We talked about the difference between joy and happiness this morning. He had joy because he saw God working and moving amongst all these people. He saw Christ Jesus being illustrated. Hallelujah. Luke tells us that he, that he witnessed the work of God's grace and, and, and Barnabas encourages them to do what? Persevere in your faith. Gar Barnabas sees all these new Christians and he says, remain to the true to the Lord wholeheartedly. He didn't come in with a, with a lot of, of legalistic rules and regulations. He made sure that their first and the one thing they needed to know first and foremost was you need to wholeheartedly adhere to Jesus Christ. 
You see, when we truly sell out and build our faith upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, you know what's going to happen? Christ is going to open that Bible to us. Christ is going to open our ears to the Word of God. Christ, through the Spirit, is going to start speaking directly to our heart. And when we can encourage people to stay wholeheartedly to the best of their ability, focused on Jesus, Jesus is going to clean them up. Luke tells us that, he, that, that Barnabas is witnessing all this and he's encouraged them to persevere in the faith. And, and, and this is a deliberate play on his name. In other words, the son of encouragement encouraged them. In other words, Luke is making sure that you and I understand that the one who can encourage the most was the one that was sitting there to look to the Lord Jesus Christ. If we want to be an encourager, the number one focus, I'm not saying we shouldn't study. We need to study to find ourselves approved. We need to get deeper and deeper in the doctrine as we grow in our Christianity. We need to move off the milk and into the meat, as Paul says. But while folks are still on the milk, don't expect them to act like they've been eating steak all their whole life. Encourage them to grow. Encourage them to get their milk from Jesus Christ. Encourage them to focus on who the Lord is. At that Critical moment in that young church, in these, in, in, in these babes of Christ's life, if you will, Barnabas steps in and he says, adhere to the Lord. He smiled. He was joyous. And he encouraged them. So many times, we again, we tend to like to find faults. We want to raise our own self-esteem by looking at, oh, look at those baby Christians. Look at them. Look what they're doing. Oh, you, did you see the lifestyle of them people out there in Antioch? Did you see the tattoos that kid had? Oh my goodness gracious. Oh, and that one that, that, look at the piercings on that one. He fell face first in a tackle box or something. <laughs> and we talk about their cars, their houses, their, their clothes they wear. Guys, I guarantee you Barnabas didn't go and talk about all that. It says that he went and he encouraged them. I don't care what's on your face. I don't care how many tattoos you have. I am encouraging you. You grab a hold of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't let go. You put your faith and your heart in him. And praise God, he's going to work in your life. And when he works in their life, you know what's going to happen? Their music might change a little bit. The words may change in their, their song. They're singing now. And they may start all of a sudden wanting to walk and go to church more often. And they're going to want to hear what the pastor has has to say the rabbi the teacher has to say why not because you beat it into them because they're adhering to jesus that's what it means to be an encourager that's what it means to go out there people are confessing their sins to, to, the, to the lord jesus christ that's how he knew god was at work barnabas went out there and, and he knew and saw the grace of god he didn't burden them with rules and regulations because he saw them repenting he saw it was real he didn't have to try to legislate morality. He saw God doing that. Only God can change a man's heart, folks. You cannot. Wives, you cannot change your husband. Husbands, you cannot change your wives. All you can do is lift yourself unto the Lord, pray for them, and let God do the changing. That's what Barnabas was doing. Barnabas was encouraging them. It's not about how they dress or what they say as much as it is, do they know Jesus Christ? And he says, guys... This is wonderful. I see all that's going on here. And I am asking you, I am telling you, you persevere wholeheartedly committed to Christ. And God is going to work wondrous things here. Be true unto the Lord. Today we would say it more along the lines of, 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 of be, but stay faithful unto the Lord. He was telling them, you obey and heed and listen to what God tells you to do. Not a man. 
Not this guy or that guy. Not this tradition or that tradition. We get so caught up with our denominational ideas. Guys, I, I remember early in my ministry when I was a youth pastor, I'd teach and preach things that I'd go back and say, where in the world? It was a traditional thing that had been taught through Baptist churches forever. And I look back and it's like, ouch, that was not scriptural. We had become a faith of thou shalt not, and that's not what God did. God said we should be joyous with our lives. Get out there and, and be what God's called you to be. David was dancing in the streets. Well, I would never let a musical instrument in my church. Well, you're going to have a hard time in heaven, I have a feeling. Because they're there. The Bible says so. Well, you know, uh, I, there's no foot fellowship in my church. Your church is getting kind of boring, I think. Because in God's house, there's going to be joy. And that joy is going to come from knowing the Lord. And God's going to say, welcome home, my son. We sang just a while ago. He left the 99 for the one. And that one, he says, build your rock upon me. Build your house upon this rock. Build your house on me. He was saying, don't go for tradition. Don't go for this or that. You build your house on Jesus Christ. Adhere to Jesus Christ. Barnabas knew that their heart, if their heart was going to, to, to be... If their heart, he knew that their heart was going to determine the direction of their life. Therefore, if their heart wasn't in it, they weren't going to be in it. Therefore, rather than trying to put rules and regulations in their mind, let's get their heart focused on God. Let's get them focused on who Christ is. And when God changes their heart, then he'll change their mind. Amen? And he'll use them in a mighty way. Folks, we need to see that the gospel... For the gospel to put down firm roots, it's not in a denominational name. It's not in how much you can criticize somebody. For those roots to really take hold, it's us coming alongside them and say, I know it's hard. I know it's rough. But you keep holding on to the Lord and he'll bring you through. Well, I don't see him. I don't think he's listening. I, I think he don't, doesn't care. In fact, I don't even think he's real anymore. I think he's disowned me. You keep on adhering to Christ. I'm not going to beat you over the head with rules and regulations. I'm going to tell you, you keep praying. You adhere to that spirit that I see moving within you. You keep adhering to that spirit I saw move within you earlier. And I am not going to criticize these bad choices you made. I'd rather lift up the choices you can still make to get out of the, the consequences of those or get out of the choices that you've made in the past to bring you back to where God would have you to be. I want you to focus on the character of godliness, of, of integrity and uprightness. You know, this is the only time John Mark ever says anything uh, about the character of a, gentle, of, a, of a person. He looks at, at, at Barnabas and what did he say there? He said that this was a man, then re, uh, when he arrived, oh, excuse me, then the reporter was glad he encouraged all of them. Lord, with a firm resolve in his heart, for he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. John Mark said, that's the man that we should be. That's the man that is going to grow the church and encourage others. It's Christ who does it, but he's going to do it through that man who is full of spirit. That man who's full of faith. If we really want to be the encouragers God's called us to be, then we need to live it out. His character was a source for people to look and say, goodness and grace. I can't tell you how many times I looked at Carla and she would say, Pastor, you have been, I would always be humbled because she would say, you are anointed by God. I hear her voice saying it so clearly right now. 
I'd say, no, Carla, I'm just the guy trying to make it through. And she'd say, no, I'm telling you, you are anointed. And though I had a hard time buying that from her, I would go back to my office, I'd get out my Bibles and say, God, if she's right, then give me that message that I'm supposed to preach this next week. And I would go ten times harder to what it was God would have me to do because Carla sent me a text or because Carla encouraged me because she told me that God's got great things in your life. And I could look to her and know it was legitimate because I could not find... She had faults like anybody else. But I could look to Carla and say she lives what she preaches and she preaches what she lives. Barnabas was one who lived what he preached. To Mark said, man, that guy right there, I'm going to give him a special line. He is of good character and joyous heart. And what did he do? He went out and he encouraged others to do what? Be of good character and joyous heart as you wholeheartedly cling to the same Lord that I cling to. Folks, when we are clinging to Christ, others are going to see it. Does that mean you're not going to have hard times? Carla had her hard times. Lord knows, she and I sat, we cried many a time over things in her life and things that was going on within her sphere there. But she kept giving glory back to Christ. And she never gave up on others. On verse 25, notice he says again here, Then he went to Tarsus to search for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and and taught large numbers, and the disciples were called Christians in Antioch. I wanted to grab that because there's another thing, one more passage there that if we want to be real encouragers, it'd be really easy to stop at verse 24 and, and, and finish right there. But verse 25 and 26 says something important, I believe. Luke tells us that Barnabas, when he sees what's going on amongst all these people, when he sees the joy that, that they are repenting and coming to know the Lord, when he sees they're growing in Christ and he is tenaciously encouraging them, he then does what? He goes, and, and though he instructed them for a period of time, he goes and he gets Paul. And he brings Paul back to teach him. Barnabas did not care about his own reputation. He went to Tarsus to get Paul. He didn't care about who was going to get the glory. He didn't care about who was going to say, look at what's going on here. His concern wasn't about his name. His concern wasn't about how people looked at him. His concern wasn't about what what position he held in the church. His concern wasn't about how the church would look at him later on in life. His, you know, he didn't care about all that stuff. His concern was the glory of Christ. And by being that the, his concern was the glory of Christ, I'm going to go get Paul because I see they need Paul. And God said it's glorifying and blessing Paul through this ministry. I am going to bring him in to build the kingdom of God. This church in Antioch's not about me. It's about Christ. And Christ is using Paul. I'm going to step out and let Paul step up. Folks, our reputation doesn't matter. If people want to look at you and say, you hang out with sinners. You know, I, I saw some of them motorcycle guys you ride with. Or I saw them, you were down there talking to that guy. I, you know how much he drinks? Or I saw you talking to brother so-and-so. Do you know he, has, he had an adulterous affair 25 years ago? I don't care what people say. I would much rather, as Barnabas, go and speak and do or bring that person that needs to be brought to further the kingdom of God than worry about my own reputation. 
If we truly want to be an encourager, and I, I gave Carla a hard time, I'd tell her, you're just a sucker. Especially there was the one young man that hours upon hours upon hours upon hours upon hours she sat with. And I gave up. I, I just couldn't do it anymore. But when that young man finally turned his life around, has a family, raising those kids in a church, and all I can do is think, keep thinking back, Carla didn't give up. God didn't give up on him. Carla didn't give up on him. Father, forgive me for giving up on him. Guys, you want to be that encourager? You want to be that Barnabas? That means not worrying about yourself. It means you live to the best of your ability what God's called you to live. And ask the people to, they may see you and, and live by your example, but keep focusing on the grace of God and how God's working in their lives. What do you, when you come up on those new people, do you see the, the faults and the failings in their life? Or do you see, look for something to encourage? I know I am, I am bad about that. I used to, I'm getting better. Sherry used to call me out. I'd go in the kids' rooms. They really worked hard to clean up their room or something. But I would walk into the room and say, well, why is that down and that down? Pick those up. Why didn't I walk in and say, man, this looks great. Here, let me help you with this. Or what about this? Why didn't I encourage first? Because I didn't have that spirit. But it's a daily growth. And the more I adhere to him, the more I realize how we've been called to encourage. And the more I encourage others, you know what happens to me? The less angry I get. The less pointing fingers at other people I get. The more I, I do not get upset, well, so-and-so did this and so-and-so got that. Well, God, what about me? I'm up there preaching on Sunday mornings. I think this, I think that. No, not anymore. Now I can sit back and say, God, thank you. That's not my game. It's yours. It's not my movie. It's yours. You're the choreographer. I'm just playing a part, and I just want to do the best of my ability, the part you want me to play. And if it's encouraging my brother to get up and preach or my sister to go and speak, if it's encouraging this person to get out there and do this, that, if it's to encourage them just to turn back to Christ because they fell away, whatever it is, Lord, let me be Barnabas. And guys, I'm going to be honest. And I know I should never put a human being on a pedestal. But I've said, Lord, help me be Carla. I have said that. And I meant it. Because she's the closest thing modern day that I have seen to a Barnabas. But how much more should I try to be like that too? This morning, I know it may seem strange that God brought this message about by a card. Over a year later, that fell out of my portfolio. But when this card fell out, it reminded me, one, that there are people praying for me. But two, I need to focus on the commitment I made a long time ago. Because after that tragedy, it's one of the things I said, I want to be like Carla. Help me to be the encourager. Quit being the, the doctrinal guy. I mean, doctrine's important. And I will study doctrine. I'd love to have our Sunday night class. We are very, 
well, right now we're in angels, but we, we tend to hold the doctrinal, solid, foundational issues. But there's a place for that, and there's a place for encouragement. Help me to be the encourager more than the legalistic guy. And I think that's what God's called all of us to do. That's what he called Barnabas to do. And I can't help but wonder, Barnabas saw the potential in others, and he chose to, 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 to lift that up. He chose to encourage. Sure, was there dangers? Yeah. But what's the mindset we see others? What if Barnabas had not seen the potential in John Mark and stood up against that religious leader, Paul, his friend, his pastor, the one he had taken places? What if he didn't stand up to him? And John Mark would have just fell by the wayside because Paul said he wasn't good enough. How much would we have lost? What about if Paul, if Barnabas hadn't taken Paul before the apostles so that the apostles would wrap their arms around him and, and say that, okay, you're okay. Go out and here's letters. Go and start these churches. Go and preach the gospel and use our names. We'll write letters of recommendation for you. What would have happened if Barnabas had just said, no, you're a bad dude, and walked away. Those are just two that we know. How many lives were changed because of Barnabas? The question this morning is, are you willing to be that Barnabas? Are you willing to be an encourager? I want to encourage you to encourage others. And how can you do that? By focusing first and foremost on who you are in Christ. Do you look for the grace of God in others' lives? Or do you look at things you can criticize to build yourself up? Because when we encourage others to keep on going, when we are humble enough to let others come on board and do what you, you may say, I can do that better. I can't tell you how many times the, the arrogant, egotistical side of me, I'll be sitting in a Sunday school class somewhere or listening to a pastor, and I'll say, that's not right. <laughs> Bite my finger. Because it's not about the way I would do it. Is God getting glorified? What is God doing? Where are you this morning? Maybe you're that person that tends to criticize more than encourage. Isn't it great we serve a Lord that I can encourage you this morning, can change who you are? I was that person. I was, the first, I was a perfectionist. I expected things to be perfect. I expected things to be lined up just so. I expected everything to be done in a certain order. I, I attacked my studies in, in such a way as well. But when I look at the scriptures, at the men and the women that God used, they weren't perfect. And because they weren't perfect, God could use them in a mighty way. You may be here this morning, and I will encourage you that I can speak from example that he can change who you are when you start encouraging others to focus on him. Because the more you encourage others to tenaciously cling to the Lord, I've noticed the more that I tenaciously cling to the Lord. And the more I cling to him, the less the things of this world bother me. And better the understanding comes to my mind. Because there's always people and things that want to lob these spirit grenades into my life. Greater is he who's in me than he who's of this world. This world's a scary place. 
but be of good cheer. Why? Because I have victory over the world. When I put my faith in him, then again more understanding comes. If God be for me, who can be against me? Because I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. You might conquer me physically, but you can't take my spiritually. Because my God's already won. I pray this morning that when we leave here today, we can say we didn't just come to church. We didn't just come and see how many people were here or there or who was doing this or was that. I came, and I want to encourage others to know the God that I know. Now, if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, you may say, well, i got too much sin in my past. I've done too much in my past. I don't think God would love me or take me. Even on the cross, moments before everything's going to be done, he looks down and says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Encouraging us, even from that cross, that forgiveness is available if I will put my hand in his. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, let me encourage you to take that first step. Put your faith in his. You're worried about how people are going to judge your past. You're worried about people coming up and talking about your past. Folks, I guarantee you, if people from my past came in here, some of y'all probably have faint right there. But I serve a mighty God. He changed me, and he can change you. You're here this morning, you know the Lord, but you're that one that criticizes more than encourages Start working on it. God can flip a switch and it'd be done. But how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Start choosing now. And it may be something as simple as going in and rather than telling your wife, why don't you straighten the pillows and cook dinner? Why not go in and say, honey, I'm glad you were home. I'm glad to see you. Then tell her to straighten the pillows and cook. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> one thing at a time. Where are you this morning? I tell you, after finding this till just this morning, bringing it in here, it sits in the, my file holder thingy on my desk, right there where I see it now, to remind me that I need to be an encourager, not a discourager. And guys, when you start beating people up legalistically, you've moved from encourager to discourager. Which would God want you to be? Now don't get me wrong. Sin and past sin needs to be dealt with. But we can do so in a loving way that encourages them to grow in the faith rather than beating them with a Bible and making them sit in, in, in fear and shame. It's how God does it that matters. Where are you this morning? I want to ask you to stand. We're going to pray in just a moment. You know, let me say this too. Before you go out and think that I preach some pie in the sky, fluffy sermon about God is love and that's all there is. We serve a righteous God. And the consequences of our sin are there. And he who, the only remission of sins through the blood. You have to accept Jesus Christ 
and that blood atoning that he did on that cross for you to ever enter into glory. And there's consequences to our actions. God doesn't just let sin go by, but he'll wash you and cleanse you and make you whole when you ask for forgiveness and repentance. Does the consequences go away? Usually not. Am I trying to manipulate you into saying, oh, I'm going to say this cute little prayer and I'm going to... Nope. has to be a change of your heart to focus on Him. And when you do, He'll start bringing these things to you. And the more you cling to Him, the more He's going to show things in your life that has to change. And pretty soon, as Brother Stormy said, you're going to start getting rid of the rotted fruit in your life. And the good fruit's going to start showing Till before long, you're able to encourage others because you're finally bearing fruit that's encourageable. Where are you this morning? Let me lead us in a word of prayer. Father God, I come before you this morning. I thank you for this opportunity to, to share today. I do thank you, Lord, for both the ministry of Barnabas and Carla and the many encouragers there are out there. And God, I pray that each one of us will strive to be that encouragement to someone else. Help us to encourage rather than discourage and let them know that God loves them where they are and then he will bring them to where they need to be. Father, may your will be done, Lord, in your, in your people and the lives of your people. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we sing this morning, if God's talking to you, come to this altar. You can come down. You can pray. You can come. You can pray right where you're at. Maybe you're saying, you know, I am an encourager. And you can thank God for that. Hallelujah. If you're an encourager this morning, praise him that you are where you need to be. And keep doing it. But if you're that one that likes to point a finger and say, no, you have to do it this way and that way and this way and that way. Let's start pointing that finger back at yourself. And encourage yourself to tenaciously hold to him. As we sing. Amen. Are you hurting, broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is called. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood.
says guys forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as as humbling as that should be flip it around think about that for just a minute as powerful as the blood of Christ is is what can be forgiving therefore whatever it is that may be in your life that you think cannot be forgiven you can't get more precious than the blood of Christ and it was spilt for you and if you say but I am that discourager I can never change can't never did what would could you give it to christ and he will change your life you just have to tenaciously hold the hymn like barnabas told that church in antioch amen it's all in, it's encourage one another but let's encourage ourselves in our own private prayer times to go out and be an encourager to others and then they will come unto you and then god will change them whether it be through sermon whether it be through a Sunday school class, whether it be through music, whatever tactile, audible, visual way they need to hear it, God knows it, and He will touch their hearts. You keep encouraging them in whatever it is, whatever it may be. I know my brother Stormy, I'm going to call him out. Every Sunday almost, he says something positive about my sermon. Every now and then he'll say, that's a nice tie, which I know what that means. But anyway... <laughs> He always comes out and has something encouraging to say. And I think, I don't know if I've ever done it, Stormy, but thank you for that. Absolutely. Guys, keep looking up, be an encourager, and let's each one of us change this world. Let Christ change this world through us. Amen? Amen. David, you want to close us in prayer this morning?
though so aimless, life filled with sin, I wouldn't let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came like stranger in the night. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light. I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Just like a blind man, I wandered alone. Worries and fear, I claim for my own. Then like a blind man, God gave back his sight. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light, I saw the light, no more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I was a fool to wonder and stray. Straight is the gate and narrow the way. Now I Traded the wrongs for the right. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light. I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light, I saw the light, no more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, the sorrow inside. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Praise the Lord, I saw. 